Good evening and you're very welcome to episode 12 of the podcast. It is, of course, the League of Ireland Women's Premier Division podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie with myself, Brefney Early, and my able sidekick, Aaron Clark. Aaron, another week, uh, plenty of goals to talk about over the weekend, but uh, we're probably going to focus a little bit more today on a bit of change at DLR, new manager, uh, old the king is dead, long live the queen, as it is in Belfield at the moment. Graham Kelly has moved on to a role with St. Patrick's Athletic. The very best look to him uh, as he moves back into the men's game. But uh, replacing him, well, if you've got to replace him with somebody, um, if you've got somebody on the staff who's already got a, a league title in her back pocket, it's not a bad place to start. We're going to be chatting to Laura Heffernan uh, in just a couple of moments. But uh, Aaron, your thoughts on the weekend and just was the events of last night? Absolutely. Good for Treaty at the weekend. That's probably my... I think I said last week they could get something out of Wexford game and they nearly got all three points. So close, so so close. Lots of drama with Bowes and Athlone. A couple of easy easy enough games for, for some sides. And on terms of the drama from, from last night, listen, Graham's done a lot for, for DLR. He came in when they were at a, at a particularly bad stage. He's done a, a, good, a lot for the league, but... It's a great opportunity for it's a great opportunity for Laura being being the fact as you say she won a league with Wexford, she won an underage league with DLR Waves, she's had success with Shell One underage sides as well. So listen, it's a great opportunity for Laura and it's one I'm sure she'll be looking to, to grasp with both hands. It's granted to say DLR probably in a bit of a transition phase at the minute, but considering she'd have worked with so many of them underage players as well previously and had success with them. There's no better person, as you say, to have a ready-made replacement there, someone who can just step up and be like, okay, kill Grant, she's on the pro license course as well at the minute, which is a, a massive achieve, massive achievement in itself. So it's great for, for DLR that they have the replacement. Then we start to see Graham go, but like listen, you can't you can't you can't not wish not wish him well considering, you know, he's he's done a lot for them a lot for them and I'm sure Laura will be looking forward to getting her getting her, her teeth stuck in and, and really trying to see how much she can bring DLR on this season. Yeah, we'll hear about all of that in just a couple of moments. So first, maybe a quick flick through the results of last weekend. Plenty of goals in Tala, seven in total. Shamrock Rovers, 4-1 up at the break. Only managed to hold on, essentially, two goals um, for DLR in that instance. Brought them back into the game for a cagey last couple of minutes for uh, the hoops. But they did hold on for that win. Piemont, 2-0 winners as well. Shells had a big win in Sligo. Uh, Athlone um, almost salvaged a point maybe against the world play against Bowles on Saturday evening as well so just goals galore everywhere yeah absolutely goals galore I think for the fact that when you see 4-1 you see 4-1 for Shamrock Rovers you're thinking this could be 7-8 but great from DLR to come back in and score them a couple of goals and, and make it nervy for Shamrock Rovers like, I think for, the, for for DLR they haven't scored in a couple of games as well so that's one thing to, to tick off the bucket that they've actually got back on the score sheet as well young Eva Bryan's a smashing young player so there's a there's a lot being talked about here, but in terms of you talk about Athlone, the bar, the barren run just continues. They can't get over the line. Narrow defeats in the last couple of games. It's it's the sort of game where you think they get back to two all. They're thinking, oh, lovely, we'll, we'll get a point. I know we'll we'll delve deeper into the little game a little bit later on, but for them and to concede the way they did after scoring the the late penalty was probably the most disappointing thing and. As you say, big wins for Shells, young debut for KK and she came on in the second half and like God, the P Mountain train continues. It's it's it was a it was a it was a hectic weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Well listen, maybe let's delve inside that DLR game with our guest on tonight's show. And we welcome her back to the program. Laura, of course, you were here, I think it was two seasons ago, almost to the week. 
uh, when we had you on the on the podcast, maybe a week or two later than two years. But uh, you're very welcome back, I suppose, and you're very welcome back as the new manager of DLR Waves announced last night. Um, your first impressions after uh, being offered and accepting the job, I suppose, really. Yeah, it's been a it's been a bit of a hectic week. Um, obviously, a lot of emotion flying around within within our own group this week. Uh, very sad to see Graham go. Obviously, uh, we're a very kind of tight knit group, staff and players. So it's it was it was sad to see him go. Um, but you know, it's it's just about now climbing on and and getting stuck in and and hopefully keeping things going and building on what he's what he's built over the last five years. How did you break? How did how was the news broke to the players? Because obviously you, you say about a tight knit group, like you're looking all over social media. I won't name the players in particular, but there's several players posting, you know, thanking Graham and stuff like that. How was how was breaking the news to the team? It was it was really difficult, um, you know, for Graham himself and and obviously myself uh, having to having to watch him do that and 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 the committee as well because I know it wasn't an easy decision for him. Um, it certainly wasn't a decision he took lightly. Uh, but look, myself, the girls, everybody at the club, you can't stand in his way. It's it's a fantastic opportunity for him. And, you know, we, we wish him all the best and there's no doubt he'll be successful. Yeah, we'll hopefully have more in the next couple of weeks. Maybe we like a little bit of a debrief with outgoing managers from the league just to get their perspective on, on, on their time in the in the competition. But for you, I suppose it's a return to the dugout as the main uh, head honcho at a club. You've been in this role before. How have you feel the role is different now maybe than when you left the, the first team manager's role at Wexford a couple of seasons ago? Uh, I suppose it's it's changed in in many ways. I've probably changed uh, a lot since since I took that extra job. It's you know it's back 2017, 2016, I think it was. Um, so you know you're talking about nearly ten years. It's, it's seven years since since I I done that head coach job. Um, doesn't seem that long, but when when you put the dates in, um, so like I you know I've obviously changed changed a lot as a coach. But the league itself, how far it's come on, uh, the competitiveness of the league this year, I think is there for. For everyone to see, um, you know, there's no such thing as an easy game now. So, yeah, it's it's going to be difficult. Um, it's definitely a new challenge. I, I know, like like you said, I've been there, but you know, Exeter was a big learning curve for me in terms of my own professional development. And you know, hopefully, I can I can take what I learned there into this job. Did you ever think it'd come again, Laura? Because obviously, you went with shells. You were working at the underage structures. You were working in and around the first team, and then you come to DLR. You were sort of 19s then in, in the seniors. Did you think another opportunity would come within the as the main role? And it, it's always hard to tell. You know, obviously any of the the main jobs, there's always a lot of competition for them. Um, you know, so you, you just never know. Um, you know, I've, I've said quite openly, going back to underage football, I think helped. Um, it, it kind of it helped me. I suppose mold my coaching skills a little bit. It's 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 a different way of dealing with people, dealing with players, dealing with parents. Um, so I, I think it gave me a more rounded uh, approach to coaching. I've probably done it backwards to what to what most people do. Most people start underage and work up to senior. Uh, I kind of done it the opposite way. So yeah, look, I, I didn't think it'd come this quick, but now that it's here, it's it's not really something you can turn down. Yeah, talk to us about the club itself. You've been there a few seasons now. You've been involved in a lot of those youngsters that have broken into the first team this year. Their development. You must know this group very well yourself personally uh, so that it does give you that bit of an advantage to maybe another new coach coming into a team like that? Yeah, I suppose for the girls, it's it's continuity. Um, they obviously 
they know myself, all the other, all the rest of the coaching staff are staying on. You know, nobody else is is moving on. So for them, it's it's great. It's it's kind of another training week, and it's it's business as usual. I, I know that that might sound that's it might sound uh, harsh considering you know Graham is is literally just just gone. But for them, it's it's um it's just they have to just get back to get back to a routine. You know, there's a game on Saturday, and we have to just just get on with it and move forward. Especially, I think the timing is probably is the, is the one thing that a lot of people will look at, considering off the back of the the run runner results that you've had in in recent months. But like, even when I spoke to Graham after the Shelburne game, he was talking about what was coming down the line in terms of get fixtures and stuff like that. So, is it a bit of a double edged sword for the girls, especially considering the results haven't gone their way? And then Graham, like, how do you build? How do you pick them back up around that? Uh- it's it's a difficult one. Like I won't say it's 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 a rebuilding season. You can say that in the sense of the amount of players that we lost at the start of the season. Um, just just looking at that group, apart from the fact that they were good footballers, the experience they were all experienced national league players. Um, so when we talk about a rebuild. It's there is a lot of new bodies in the door, but there's there's serious quality within that squad. Um, it's just obviously the age getting them off the first team level and you know the, the mistakes are going to come that's going to happen with younger players um so is it a rebuild yes in a sense but if you look at the quality that's there we've been really competitive in games it hasn't been a case that we've we've gone out and lost badly in any game um so the girls have been really competitive and it's just about building on that now in terms of those short-term objectives what's the plan for the next few games into the the world cup break I'm guessing win games, but but what are, are the main targets you're setting this group over the next two or three weeks? Yeah, the, like the girls know themselves in house what what the goals are and, and what we want to do. Um, you know, at the moment it can't be all about results. It has to be about developing the girls, developing the players, and and keeping that group together now going forward. Yes, it's it's hard not not winning games, but but like I said, it's it's not a case that we haven't been competitive. We really have. The girls were really disappointed on Saturday not to come out of of uh, Tala with something. Um, you know, shells. You know, they scored their second goal late on. Wexford scored their second goal late on. So it, you know, it's not like they haven't been there thereabouts in games. It's just cutting out those little mistakes now. That's going to get them to the next level. You talk about you know talent in the squad, the young squad. Is this All Ireland Cup that's coming up? Is that a not a nice opportunity as well? Because a lot of players who, who may lack a bit of experience, does you know, they're not sitting on the sitting on the fence for eight weeks between the league stopping and and restarting. Is that a good opportunity for some of them players? Maybe someone who haven't got as many minutes in the national league to get that little bit of extra experience and then grow a little bit more. Yeah, I think this competition is is fantastic. Um, not just for you know for the players, but for for the game as a whole. Uh, I think it's really exciting and it's it's something new and. You're not playing those the same teams that you play week in week out. It's a new challenge, um, and look, the girls are really excited about it. Um, you never know; it's you know a cup competition. You never know what might happen, and you know if things click and things go well on the day, you know you never know where it might lead. Speaking of that cup, the draw took place last week, and I suppose you can't be disappointed with the draw that that you got in, in that competition because there's three teams there that I think. Any deal or side would be very confident taking a field against them that they can pull it up or even win that game or go to the game's favourites. Like there's none of the real big big names in that group. Can you top that group? Can you get to a semi-final? Well, look, you'd like to think so. Um, we go into every game, 
you know, believing that we we have a chance of getting something out of it. Uh, the girls, the girls never go out with any other mindset. They're always very positive. So yeah, look, we'll approach it in the same way. Hopefully, if results go our way, like you said, you top a group, you get to a semi final, and then it's then anything can happen. Um, you know, semi final once off, and you don't even know who you'll be playing, and that it could be a team from the north again, another new challenge. So it's exciting. Um, and yeah, the staff and the players are really looking forward to it. Couple of things I want to pick up on there that you've just talked about mindset and th- mindset in particular. Like you talk about how underage football has re-evolved re- re- your coaching style. How has it changed how you approach things and approach players' mindsets and sort of over the last couple of years? Because when you're at Wexford, there's no doubt you had a really experienced group. This time you have a really young group and haven't worked with underage, especially the success with the DLR and Dean's team to win the league. How is how do you transition, you know, the mindsets of players in and around games as well? Because you talk about performances rather than results. How do you transcend the mindsets to make sure they stick towards that? Again, it's hard. Like every player wants to be competitive and they want to win games. Um, you know, but a lot of young players, even even though they, they believe in themselves and you know, they have that self-belief, a lot of them they, they do still struggle with confidence and they have self-doubt, like like every player. Um so it's it really is just getting them to believe in themselves and come together as a group. Uh, again, you know, younger players they they can't do things at first team level that they do at 19s. It's it's not that easy. It, you know, they don't get as much time on the ball. You know, they can't take on three or four players. So it's just little things like that. Um, getting them to adapt to that that quicker style of play and you know the more aggressive nature, I suppose, of first team football. Um, but you know, the girls are growing every week. You can see them growing, and it's just. It's it's getting that confidence in them and belie- making them believe that you know in a, in, a, in it could take six months time but you know if if you keep at it and keep growing as a group you, you don't know where it's going to lead. Speaking of growing and developing and that gap between being in the hot seat before uh, you're now on the pro licenses Aaron mentioned in the build up to the interview uh, what have you taken out of that journey through the coaching pyramid uh, in the country and, and the pro license in particular in terms of the new job that you've taken on this week. Yeah, look, it's 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 just learning. I, you know, every week, every day, it's it's something different. Um, I mean, it goes without saying the the coach education and the pathway through that. It's been it's been really rewarding. It's been challenging at times. Um, you know, some some parts I've I've really enjoyed, other parts I've really struggled with. Uh, you know, over the years, it, it, the, those courses have been very male dominated. Um, and you know, when you're younger, you're a younger female coach, that is difficult. Uh, but I suppose in hindsight now. You know, you're on the pro license again. You know, it is the only female. So I suppose in hindsight, it's probably prepared you for for the, the top part of it. But um, yeah, you know, the, the journey, it's been, I suppose it's been long. It's been difficult at times. But, um, you know, a week like this week, when you get this opportunity again, it's, it's worthwhile. Only the third female coach to come through the FAI to be on the pro license course. You're looking at Sue Ronan and Eileen Gleeson. Two people have both been involved. Well, Eileen now is the head of women's football and was involved with the Irish women's national team. Sue Ronan obviously managed Ireland. But like for you, Laura, what is that sort of opportunity? Like you're now the person who the next generation of female coaches look up to considering you're the next one on that pro license course. Yeah, look, it's it's something it's something that I'm very proud of. Um, you know, I like to think that you know I've I've spoken and and kind of dealt with with a lot of the younger players and and females that have done coaching badges and you know I'd like to think that I've I've kind of helped support them in in anything that they needed 
you know, Sue and and um, Eileen have been have been very good to me throughout the years. They've always been been there to bounce off of if I've needed anything. So you know, it, it is something that I'm really proud of, and to see the amount of female coaches coming through the game now. Um, you know, it's it's something that's a testament to, I suppose, the FAI and, and women's football and the fact that it is growing. That phone call comes in this week. Um, I don't even know it was a phone call, but I'm assuming it was a phone call. It comes in, says, Graham's left, offers you the role. Did you need much time? How long did you need to, to make that decision to take on the role or was it just an automatic yes? Yeah, I, 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 I didn't need that much time, to be honest. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy at the club. The club have been very, very good to me. Um, and look, like I said, I have huge belief in that group of players, not just the younger players, but, you know, the, the older core uh, of players that have been there for a couple of years. Um, you know, there's there's huge talent there. And yeah, look, you know, we have we have a bit of a way to go. But, you know, I have I really have full belief in that group that they can they can push on and do well. Walk us through, you know, break you breaking you telling the players, I assume it was you who told the players you were taking over as manager. What was the reaction like? And how, how were you? What were you like when you were telling them? Yeah, no, it was a, it was a, it was a group efforts. You know, the committee, Graham. You know, we were all there together. Like I said, we're a very, we're a very close knit group. Um, so it was very important that, you know, that the girls received that news in the right way. Um, obviously a lot of shock. There was a lot of them not expecting it. Um, and like I said, a little bit of emotion from everybody. But, you know, it was very important to us as a group that that the girls did receive that message. Um, as a collective, and that they, you know, they know everybody in the club is on the same page and. That we're moving forward together, um, you know, despite the fact that Graham has Graham has moved on. Just to follow up onto that, Graham's done an awful lot for DLR as a whole. It's going to be a big, big shoes to fill, considering there was a lot of things just off the field that he took care of as well. How do you feel about having, you know, the more responsibilities off the field as well as on the field? Yeah, I, I don't think they can be filled. I, I'll, put, I'll put it that way. Um, you know, the work he did in the background was Trojan, but yeah, look, I mean. You know, it's not just the first team with us as a coaching group. Um, you know, we have the 17s and the 19s in training with us regularly. There's a very close relationship with uh, with the 17s and 19s staff. Um, you know, and, and the committee are, are are excellent. So, you know, the stuff that goes on in the background, um, th- there is probably a few more bits and pieces than than what I realised. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good group, and you know, I'm sure everybody's going to row in together to make sure that that progression continues. On the plus side, you get to hang out with two gobshites like us. In terms of, um, I've, I've been very lucky myself to have had time at, I suppose, a precursor to the club, UCD, but it was back in the old Belfield Park days. That'll put a, an age on my involvement. But um, it's a really good environment there for young athletes coming through with the university on site as well. I know it's been UCD waves in the past. It's kind of flipped and flop between them in terms of their involvement. But... What's the relationship like with the with the college? Is it more than just a venue you play in, or is there a relationship they're building uh, behind the scenes? Yeah, look, I mean, the college and um, and all all the lads involved on the college end are they're extremely supportive. Um, you know, they 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 do help us out a lot when we need it, and you know, the access to the bowl and you know, match days, everything is there and ready for us. Um, they're extremely supportive. Um, you know, and and the same the same with us. You know, we we love to see the lads doing well and. You know, we feature in their programs, you know, on a weekly basis and things like that. So there is there is a nice relationship there. Um, and looks, you know, hopefully we'll we'll continue to grow that. And just in that, in terms of that relationship, like how how key is it to have a venue like the Bowl? Because we see there was times where there was talk when 
DLR were coming in, is it going to go back to Jackson Park? They installed them um, cameras in Jackson Park in case they have to stream the games. Like, how important is it that when you're especially trying to keep players or attract players to the club, they can turn around and say, listen, we, we have UCD, we play in the bowl. How important is things like that? Oh, it's massive. Um, you know, all the young players coming through now, they want they want to play in the best stadiums. You know, they want they want that environment and those surroundings. And look, I think I think most clubs now are doing that. Um, you know, everybody's playing in the main stadiums. They they're all looked after the same the same as what the men's teams are on match day. So yeah, I think it's it's usually it's vital that we continue that. Um, like I, I think the bowl is one of one of the best uh, venues in the country in terms of football. Um, you know, especially on a, a nice summer's day. You know, it's it's it really is a a lovely environment to be in around. So yeah, for the girls, I think it's it's hugely important. Well, considering bows are coming to the bowl at four o'clock on Saturday, I'm hoping you'll be making it a little bit more hostile than having a lovely summer's day for them uh, to welcome them. Your first game, obviously, uh, in the job, bows the visitors. They've been on a, a reasonable run of form. Uh, Sarah Rowe put an absolute scorcher of a goal at the weekend. What a volley! But uh, in terms of them as opposition, uh, any thoughts going into that game? Yeah, look, I think all games over over the last season or two have been really competitive. I think there's only been the odd goal in in all of them, um, bar, bar the last game. So it's yeah, it's it's exciting. The girls are really looking forward to it. Um, you know, I think it'll be a really good competitive game of football, and you know, hopefully, we can get something out of it. Just just in terms in terms of the game it's, it's, itself, like there's, there's there's rivalries on both sides now, with players having transitioned from Bowes to DLR from DLR to Bowes. Does that add ex- anything extra to LR? Um. Yeah. Look at it. I mean, it does. It'd be it'd be silly to say that it, it doesn't. I mean, I think it's more between the girls themselves. Just you know, the banter and the the bragging rights. I think more than anything. Um. You know. You know, the girls are all they're all old enough to realise that's that's football. You know, it's happening at every club now, and probably a little bit more now than what it had in recent seasons. Um. So I think if if you're going down that route, the, I think every every fixture now is uh super competitive. Um. You know, there's been a lot of movement, but yeah, look, we'll treat it as any other game. Obviously, it'd be nice to welcome some of the girls back to the bowl. Um, you know, and it's it's just another game. In terms of that change over the last six months from the amateur to the professional game, has that made much of an impact in, in your squad? I know you've lost a couple of players, some have come in, but but can you compete in that professional era? Yeah, look, I think I think that's that has to be the game in the end goal for every club, and um, not just ourselves. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it is a great move uh, for the league in general. It's just now, you know, managing managing how we all step up and and graduate towards you know your Samrock Rovers and you, you know your more professional sides. It's going to take time, obviously, um, a little bit longer for for some than others. But yeah, that has to be the end goal for every club now. Is it about managing expectations though, in terms of this? Because everybody says professional, professional this, professional that. But it's not as simple as just every club going professional. Like, how do you manage them expectations? Because players are obviously going to be tempted by offers to go elsewhere because there's a financial reward where maybe the likes of a DLR can't compete at that at the minute with that. Yeah, look, I mean, there, there's pros and cons to there's pros and cons to the the professional status and the contracts and everything else. Um, even even what we just spoke about the movement between clubs in in transfer windows and things like that. It's not going to be as straightforward now. Um, you know, players are tied down to clubs, and there's going to be there's going to be protocols to exiting those contracts and, and things like that. So, yeah, where it is a great move and it, it is where everybody wants to get to, it's probably not as straightforward as what as what we we think it'll be going forward. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, interesting times ahead for everybody in the league, but especially uh, with all this change in DLR this week. Laura, thanks so much for joining us. I know it's been a busy 24 hours for you, probably 48 hours in the build-up to last night's announcement, and the very best luck to you and your girls at the weekend. Thanks a million, lads. Cheers, Laura. Laura Heffernan there. Um, like, it's, it's great to see that kind of quality just stepping into that role. No real major upset within the camp, just... We're moving on to the next individual in line and, and to have someone of the caliber of Laura coming in with the experience that she brings, it's absolutely huge for the club, right? I'd, I'm just thinking here to myself, how many other clubs would have a pro license coach and then another pro license coach who's currently on the course in their coaching staff in the women's league? Not many. Like the, the one thing you, you sort of look like, if you look around most of the clubs in the minute and a manager leaves, you start thinking who's going to take over. Whereas when when you hear Graham's leaving, it was it was always going to be the 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 expert that they expected move. Like I think for Laura, Laura's honest there that the fact that Laura probably admit there was probably mistakes made when she was managing Wexford, and she's learned an awful lot from what's happened there. How she's how she's transitioned. I think the fact that she's good success with the DLR waves in the nineteens as well is is very is key as well. And then, you know I think for her. Like she's a lot to prove. Um, there'll be a lot of people who who will say, "Can she step up again? Can she can she make the transition back into the into the number one job?" It'll be one that we'll we'll watch with close close intent. But you can see from her how positive she is about it, how how intense she is, how she how much she wants to make it a success. And like for DLR waves, they uh, I assume the players are absolutely delighted for the fact that they've got that continuity. As Laura says, it's not a case of having a completely different squad, having a different completely different management coming in where midway through the season so it, it's good for waves and i think hopefully hopefully laura can get the, get get them the way she wants the way she wants them and she can have some success in the second half of the season absolutely i think it's very important as well you touched on briefly in the interview laura spoke up to it as well but uh the impact of having a female coach back on the sideline we've been missing that from the league this season and, and kind of having a bit of influence um from the, the female side of the coaching pool in terms of the, the league as well. And let's maybe start with the LRS game. We touched on it briefly. Shamrock Rovers um, were the hosts in Tala. DLR scored early on and then fell 4-1 behind up to half time. But they really came out in the second half and showed that, uh, that maybe their position doesn't quite reflect the ability in that squad. Like, to be honest with you, they were missing, like you look for the last couple of weeks, they've been missing the likes of Sarah McKevitt, they've been missing Evo Brian, Joy Ralph, players who have potential to score goals. And I think that's what they're probably, they've been lacking most is the ability to put the ball on the back of the net. Like you look at the results against Shelbourne, it was, the, the two goals are probably preventable, a bit of experience, like experience is probably the biggest thing for them. And this year is a massive learning curve. And I think for the fact that they didn't just roll over and concede six, seven, eight against Shamrock Rovers and, and just have a, a massive off day, I think there's a lot of credit to them and especially how they performed in the second half. People people may say Shamrock Rovers took the foot off the gas a little bit, but they, even if they did, DLR Waves still have to play to get, in, to get back into the game. And I think that's probably the most pleasing thing is the way they responded after going in 4-1 down at halftime and they're disappointed that they don't take something away from the game. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest positive. And the fact they've scored three goals as well in the game is huge because they hadn't scored many goals in the last couple of games previously. So there's lots of positive for Waves to take away from Shamrock Rovers' point of view. They can continue that unbeaten run. It keeps going. They, they're they continuing to score goals. Jess Gargan, again, she hasn't scored this many goals in a, in a season before, I don't think. And for me, and I said it last year, if she didn't get injured in the Champions League, she probably wins player of the year for me. 
and that's how much I, I highly, highly rate her. Savannah McCarthy scoring again. Abby Larkin score, is finding the right time to come into a bit of form at the World Cup with the Ireland squad getting together soon for the World Cup. So, from Shamrock Rovers' viewpoint, absolutely have to be happy. You have to be happy with another win. Colley O'Neill will obviously be disappointed to concede three goals, but, you know, it's 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 a, it's a, it was a, an interesting game and one I think both sides will, ta- will take a lot of learnings away from. Yeah, I think Sean Rovers, from my point of view, almost looked to step, take a foot off the gas when they went 4-1 up. They thought that the game won and they kind of let Dior back into it, in my opinion, but then what do I know? But in terms of the the, the performance, really impressive first half from Sean Rovers and then Dior just stepped it up completely in the second half. Uh, I was at, uh, I don't even want to call it a match, it was anything but it was a wasn't a great afternoon in terms of weather. The football wasn't a whole pile better as well. The rain just never stopped from, from start to finish. Uh, Sligo Rovers hosted Shells. I knew Shells were coming in as favourites, obviously, but it was very one-sided. And from this ninth minute, I think Noel Murray got a penalty and uh, Gemma Quinn was taken down the box. A, a poor challenge. And once the penalty was dispatched, there was never likely to be anybody but Shells winning that game. They ran out 6-0 winners in the end. Gemma Quinn popped up with two goals. Megan Smith-Lynch got a, a very nice opportunistic free kick at the near post to just caught uh, goalkeeper Knappen. Um, just caught the whole defence Knappen, to be fair. There was a bit of a, a mess-up for an OG as well at the back, and Sligo just never really looked like they were able to compete with Shells at all. The problem with Shells is when Shells click, Shells are capable of doing this, and they're capable of of running riot at times they probably haven't clicked the way they would have wanted in this season but for me it was it's probably one game that they've they've a little bit of demons over as well from last year that they probably wanted to grow and make a statement because the way they were beaten in the in the game live on tg car last year there's no doubt it didn't sit well with them having lead having been leading two nil but like the one thing you will say and i know disrespect to sligo is is that it just shows the gulf between the two teams and the gulf is massive between the top and the bottom, and like Shells put six past Sligo, put six past Cork. Like the gap is 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 as big as it as it as it as it seems. And like for Shells, Gemma Quinn to score two goals again, two goals last week. It's mad to think that she spent nine years that she didn't play football at all, and she's only come back into the league last year. And if she'd have been playing all along, I think she'd be a completely different footballer to what she is right now. And I think I think Shells Shells she Shells has been a, would have a massive goal scorer, but for for them it's a it's a great result for Shelburne for Sligo it's a it's a really disappointing result especially off the back of the the game against Cork but it's not one that maybe wasn't unexpected as well at the same time. Yeah, Sligo missing a few players it has to be said through injury, but I'm not sure if they would have been a significant difference in the score sheet on Saturday afternoon. But uh, not a great night for the bitter red. Other games, of course, uh, we had plenty of action. Let's talk about that game at the anyway, live on TG Car. Bowes at Lone. Uh, Bowes were in control of this game, and then at Lone snatched the result at the last kick of the game, or so they thought. But 15 seconds later, Mia Dodd has the ball in the back of the net. Uh, Bowes though it's very hard to see a team score a goal like the volley that Sarah Rowe put away I mentioned in the chat with Laura um, and not take all three points they probably changed this on the balance of play we've a, we've a great gif on our social media of actually Sarah from behind when she's striking the volley and it's it's a brilliant the way she actually struck it is superb but like Mia Dodd again another two goals for Mia Dodd that's four and four she only didn't score in one of the games and for me it's probably someone who's on course 
for player of the month at the minute. She's been absolutely fantastic for for Boas. I think Sarah Rowe's been brilliant as well. But like the biggest thing about Boas is, is in previous years they can see that late penalty. They might go and concede another late quick quick late goal. Like I don't want to I don't want to do this, Breffney, but I feel I have to. You have the question the goalkeeping for the for the third goal for for Boas. Like yes, it's a brilliant finish from Mia Dub, but what's the keeper doing in that situation? And it's one that it's probably it's, it's cost us it's cost us side a, a point. And if you're Tommy Hewitt, you're probably pulling your hair out, thinking we should have had something out of that game, considering they'd lost the games the previous couple of weeks against the the, the top sides as well. It was a good opportunity for them to stop the rot. It turn, and now turns the gap between. Them opposed eight points, which is which is an awful lot considering where we are in the season at the minute, and it's a di- it's a difficult one because Atlanta are just struggling for that little bit of form, having having had the the couple of the couple of losses, and it was an opportunity for them to turn it around. But it was good character by Bowes to actually to go and press and try and get that that goal straight away. It's it was a it was a great game. It was a great game to have on TV when you've got five goals and considering. Considering the TG car cameras were, were competing with other other major events on Saturday evening, I think it's a it's a good showing for for them to have that. It's just from an athlon point of view, it's just really disappointing that you can you can see it later on. But Bowes and definitely Bowes are happy. Four wins on the bounce for them. They haven't lost since since the the four 0 defeat to Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, they're just sitting four points off the top of the table. We'll look at that table when we get through the whole program from last weekend. Let's go maybe down uh, to Pure Park across the city from Daily Mount. No cameras, of course, no highlights available either because of, a, I believe, a camera malfunction. Not quite sure uh, what happened uh, with that, but disappointed not to have had images from PRL Park. 2-0 uh, the final score. Sive Doyle, the Galway girl, couldn't to pass um, past uh, her, I suppose, her, her native club, if you want to be exact about it. Um, Pima still top of the league. Considering what we expected coming into the season, to have reached the halfway point, sitting pretty on top of the table, that's got to be an absolutely massive result for Piemont at this point of the year. The only thing is, though, I think Piemont be sitting, Piemont be sitting where they are now with a bit of, bit of resentment or a bit of looking back with a bit of this 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 belief, uh, this pleasing because they definitely dropped two points against Shamrock Rovers, and the second half against Shelbourne when they capitulated when they lost four one, that there that's. That's five points that they've dropped where they shouldn't have dropped. They probably shouldn't have dropped. They're probably in control and shit against Shells in the first half, then Lewis, then the four goals in the second half and Lewis. And then against Shamrock Rovers, the amount of chances they had, Collie O'Neill would be was was nearly buzzing leaving the place with getting out of jail getting out of jail. So like it could be even further ahead for Piedmont. And I think if they look back at that, that's the one thing they'll say is they left more points, they left some points on the table that they probably shouldn't have. But like they're doing brilliantly at the minute. And the thing is they're just churning the results along, they're pushing results out week after week. Like I know I said Mia Dodd's probably probably a, a massive front runner for player of the month. Sifdal's not far behind her. Sifdal never gives you less than an eight eight point five out of ten performance in midfield for P Mount. And like the thing for P Mount is is that they're coming along nicely. they people probably still aren't talking about them that much at the minute. People are still talking about shells. They're still talking about all the other clubs and well, James O'Callaghan just has has that knack of getting results out of a side and, and driving a side on. And I think a lot has to go down to the, to the coaching staff, the likes of himself, Brian O'Sullivan, Emma, Emma, Emma Dunhill as well, because 
they lost a lot of players. They also lost Vinnie Patterson in, in the window in, in, in the offseason as well, who, who's gone back to, to managing the Leinster Senior League. So there was a lot of change on and off the field. And you wouldn't think there was that much change. If you looked at it from, from the outside, you wouldn't think, looking at the table, our team have had massive changes because they've just continued to turn on players. They brought in the likes of Jess Cheryl, who's been brilliant for them. But then, like, it's, it, it's, it's mad when you think that they are top of the league at this stage. And, and, and listen, they're rightly deserved to be top of the league. In terms of, in terms of Galway, though, it's the first away defeat that Galway have had this season. Every other game they've been in, especially when they've been in Dublin, they've come away with, with three points. They'll have another big one this week. They'll be disappointed. They'll be. It was an opportunity for them to potentially move back up and, cl- and close the gap, even even to move back up at the level of Piedmont. And they missed that opportunity. But the top sides playing each other. There's going to be results throughout the second half of the season where they're all going to drop points. And for Piedmont, it's just another one. It's another one that they tick off to say, okay, Galway done. No three points. Yeah, there's a nice uh, feel to the league table as we enter that run in. Six points separating those top five sides. The final game we're going to get to, and for me, this is the one I feel you you mentioned it. The first thing you said was how gutted you were for Trevi United. I think they're everybody's favourite second team this year. They were so close to getting all three points. They led twice uh, in the game. They went 1-0 up to Hayley Walsh early on. Nicholas Sillett scored a relatively late goal to to look like she'd earned a draw, and then Cara Griffin sealed, what, what, almost sealed, what looked to be a fantastic victory for them, three minutes of time, but it wasn't to be, and it was a, a late, late goal uh, that edged Wexford back into the game, Emily Corbett scoring in him. Um, she's had a rough time with it down in Wexford as well since she's moved down there. Things haven't maybe clicked as much as she'd like. For her, I'm delighted for her to get on the score sheet and to have a secured a point, but it's so difficult to look at treating and not feel really, really sorry for for how much they fight they brought to the table this year. Yeah, like as I said last week, I thought they could have got something out of the game. And when you're when you're seeing that and you're sort of thinking, oh, they nearly got all three points. Yeah, yeah, go, you're absolutely good for them. Like as we had we with uh Amory Ulak on 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 the show last week and the more we listened to her, the more we wanted to see Treaty be, be successful. Della Doherty talking to her recently where she was saying that, you know, how how she's been impressed with Treaty. Like the one thing is is that Recent years, we sort of look back and we're sort of planning stuff, and you're, you're like, who we have on the show, and you're sort of thinking, Treaty, they've got Piedmont and Wexford, could be a bad, bad couple of weeks. And the fact that they lose one little to Piedmont, the late goal, and then you can see the late goal against against Wexford to, to, to nick them of all three points and, and give them just a draw. Like, it's amazing that we're talking about it, that we're good that they didn't win a game rather than the fact they've they, where they've come from. And I think. A lot of it is testament to the squad that they have there. As Kieran McCormick said on Twitter over the weekend, they're no longer the pushover side that are going to be beaten out the door, and people are going to actually have to people have to respect Treaty now for for what they are, what they've done, and like to lead twice against Wexford, like that's brilliant. You know, that's the sort of thing. Like you said on the show last week, Brefney, you talked about Treaty scoring goals. Where you know we we talked about that that's what they're going to have to do next, and. To score twice against Wexford and not come away with something, you, you, it's it's a sort of a it's a bitter it's a bitter pill for them. But like it's the first time they've taken a, 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 any sort of result against Wexford youth in the women's national league as well. So like they're ticking, they're still ticking off boxes, they're still ticking off things that they haven't done before. And I think we have to give Wexford credit because when they fall behind the second time, it's easy just to sort of you know, realise, listen, things aren't going well at the minute and they lose all three points and to have the character to push and push to try and get that, that equaliser and to get it laid on. As you say, Emily Corbett hasn't worked out for it at the minute. 
at Wexford, uh, that's 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 the fair the, the bones of it, and we'd all love to see it work out for her. But sometimes it doesn't when you move to these sort of clubs, and to see her get the late goal, you can only not be you can only be delighted for her, and hopefully it's sort of the kickstart that she needs, and she she continues to get opportunities at Wexford and scores more goals because there's no doubt she's got a lot of ability. But from a Wexford youth point of view, like. It's difficult looking at when we look at the league table now in a minute to look where Wexford youths are. We're not used to that, and considering their form at the minute, hasn't been, hasn't been great at all either. To be fair, they've been game in hand against Cork. If they win that, they're only three points off fifth and kind of within that leading group on the table. Let's take a quick look at that table as we sit here, uh, ten games or ten games in, but eleven rounds of games into the women's Premier Division. For 2023, Piedmont, as we've mentioned a couple of times, top of the table, a single point ahead of Shamrock Rovers, ahead of their visit to Shells this week. So top of the table slash Shells could leapfrog over Piedmont uh, on Saturday with victory in Talca Park, while Shamrock Rovers have a chance to move to the top of the table uh, if Piedmont drop points in Talca. Bowes, 21 points, Galway United further back on 19. A bit of a gap opening up then, back to a, a group of Athlone and Wexford, albeit with Wexford's game in hand against bottom side Cork. Dealer Waves back on eight points, and Treaty United on six. Sligo Rovers on three after their win against Cork just two weeks ago, and Cork City at the foot of the table, albeit with that game in hand. Um, We've kind of seen this. It's been growing year on year. At Lone Wexford, they're probably disappointed with where they are in the league table, but they do have the opportunity over the next couple of weeks to really get back in and play everybody again and hopefully get themselves back up closer to that top four, top five position that they would have expected at the start of the season. Yeah, but the only thing is, though, from from Wexford's viewpoint, you know, Wexford, you're sort of talking at the start of the season, the players they brought in, Wexford are one of the favourites for the league. It has you know, it hasn't really worked for it hasn't worked for in the first half of the season and you look at the fact that it's only a twenty season it's only a twenty game season as well. It's, it's probably it's probably the hard thing to, to take as well. That the fact that we're at the midway point we're at the midway point already and they're so they're so far behind. Like realistically for Wexford to have any chance of making just even making top top four, they're probably gonna have to go and beat in the in the in the last win their last ten games to that can really push on. And the problem is at the minute you can't really see that. It's it's a it's a difficult one in, in that sort of sense. And you'd you'd wonder is the frustrations grown at the minute just the way the results haven't gone their haven't gone their way from an athlone point of view as well. I'd say they're frustrated because the last couple of weeks they've had obviously Tommy you had the, the penalty call again against Shells. Then the late the late goal again here. It's 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 small margins is, is what's making a big difference in this league. And I think that's probably the biggest part of when 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 you play maybe the top the top eight or even if even you'd go down as far as on their day the top nine people can take points off the top nine or the top nine can take points off each other on their day, so that's the sort of thing that you're looking at and like I can I can only imagine that the way things are going at the minute the likes of Wexford will drop and Athlone will probably drop will drop a lot a, a quite a few points in the second half of the season and. I think the gap between the top four, I think include Galway, maybe top five, the gap might grow a little bit more as the second half of the season goes on. Well, let's see maybe who might have an influence on some of those results as the season progresses with the top scorers charts at the moment. Kate Mooney still on top of the top goal scorers chart. Six goals to her name after 10 games on your Gorman. Uh, Maddie Gibson and Megan Smith-Lynch, uh, two of those girls on the score sheet last week on your Gorman stays on five while Maddie and Megan join her on five goals. Sarah Rowe with that volley. Mia Dodd with a brace in that victory 
over Athlone. Uh, a couple of other scorers on the score sheet this week. Gemma Quinn popping up with two strikes as well to move her into the top 10 or 11 uh, girls in that table. In terms of the clean sheets, uh, Courtney McGuire with a clean sheet at the weekend. She goes clear at the top of the table. Of course, you'll see uh, 12 minutes missing from there. That, of course, was the opportunity for her understudy, uh, Katie Keane, to get uh, her first appearance for Shells at the end of that game in the showgrounds. And the other clean sheet of the week, Neve Reed Burke, uh, she moves up into joint second place uh, with Amanda Budden and Rachel Kelly at the top of that table. But uh, plenty of clean sheets there for, for the girls coming through. Uh, anything surprising you on either of those two uh, statistics, the scorers or the clean sheets tables? Yeah, the, the goal scorers one is probably what we're not used to at this stage. We're probably used to seeing someone after 10 games being closer to double figures than... I mean, closer to, to, to five for the top score. Six is, that a, top. is that a sign of of a lower standard of striker or a better standard of organisation of defences? Probably a bit of bit of both, Brefney, because it's, I'd assume if you, if you look at the goal difference from 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 ten games in from last year, I'd say there was there was a lot bigger minuses in in the in the, in the goal differences between now and then. I think the only difference is, and we we spoke about this heavily in the last couple of weeks, is that yes, treaty of a massive minus goal difference, but. 14 of them goals came in two games, two games alone. And so, like, if you take that out, if you take that out, like last year, I, th- I think Treaty conceded there was, it was 125 goals in 27 games last year. So, which is quite a lot of goals. And at times, there was players scoring hat-tricks and stuff like that, especially with some of the other games when, when there was high scoring as well. Whereas, I think the games this year, yes, there's been more, there's been more scorers as well, but there's also been... Less high score, less massive high scoring games as well. There's been a lot closer games. There's been a lot more competitiveness in the games. But like when I'm looking at the the top scoring list, Mia Dodd has probably scored her four goals in the, in the month of May. Gemma Quinn has scored her four goals in the month of May. So like this, there's players who are who are who are now starting to hit fire, who probably hadn't scored in the first couple of months as well. And I expect to see. I wouldn't be surprised the two names that I've mentioned there if they continue to score more goals as 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 the next in the next couple of weeks either. Anyone you expect to see maybe that's not on those lists come through over the next few weeks, particularly with the Avenir Cup, maybe give it that and see some of the, the fringe players and squads. It's a, it's it's a, it's a difficult one. You'd like you, you know you think Rihanna Jared she's missed the last couple of games for Wexford. She may she may feature in the second half of the season. Like there's players who've been on the who've been on the list for the last couple of years who maybe haven't necessarily hit it now. But I think that's a, I just think it's a sign of, of the way the league is going, that more and more scorers are, are there. But there's definitely players to watch out for. I think young Eve O'Brien from Dealer Waves could score a couple of goals. They're, they need to get Joy Ralph back to, to really to, 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 to have a, an opportunity at the minute of, of scoring goals. And like, it's 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 just it's difficult because some teams have scored an awful lot less goals this year than they, they would have been in the previous year. So that's why we're probably not seeing as many of the names that we're used to seeing. Yeah, I am just trying to build a the question you asked about last year's league table. I'm actually trying to build a league table as we speak. I'm just doing the mental arithmetic and the graphic design at the moment. Uh, let's maybe take a quick look at that Avenir Cup and you can talk us through the draw. Uh, for that competition because there's uh, some interesting, we touched on with with Laura, but there's some interesting groups. Uh, so maybe, I know the P-Mount Shamrock Rovers group looks particularly difficult, uh, but in terms of the uh, that DLR Treaty Cork, it looks like it's winnable, that group, for any of the four sides in it. Oh, 100%. It's 100%. And I think 
the thing is the way the competition is structured, it's all going to be about if play if clubs play their some of their fringe players. It's about who 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 comes out on top with, with the fringe with the fringe players or do some clubs go with their full strength teams and and try and win the competition? But like the DLR Cork, the DLR Cork Treaty and and Crusaders group, anybody could come out with that. I think if if you look at like even Group A, like. To say to nail on to say who's definitely going to come out of that, we probably can't at the minute. I think it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a really good group as well. And like you'd expect, I would expect Bowles to probably come out of Group C, considering considering the opposition that they've got there. And then, then in Group B, it's it's a toss up. It's it can it can be absolutely anybody. If 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 Shamrock Rovers play a couple of the youth players, if if P-Mount play a couple of the youth. And, and same with with, with Wexford Utes, Glen Torrent could come right back in, could come into it as well, and potentially come out of that group. So it's it's one that's there's so much. How would you say there's so much opportunities? There's so much. It's it's a competition that whichever club probably takes the most seriously uh, from in terms of the, the national league clubs will have the the biggest opportunity. Yeah, you asked actually. I didn't quite finish that one correctly, but uh, you did ask for that league table. I'll bring it up in just a second, just so we can compare it. But the Avenir Cup positive for the league or not positive for the league? Um. So the problem is, is at the minute, and this is being honest. The problem is, is the timing. There's no other alternative at the minute. They either have to play a normal league cup or do something in that window because you can't have an eight week window where there's nothing. I understand players will probably be like, oh, you know, looking at that, thinking there might have been a, a break when when they seen when they, when they first heard about this. This is it. Is it something that's sustainable at the way it is at the minute? I don't know. Uh, it's all going to be trial and error. The first year, I think, if it clicks, it could click very well. It could click very well. It could it could not work at all. I'm interested to see how it does go. Like, there's def. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely an idea of involvement. So, for example, like. The one thing I don't like about it, and this is just being honest, is I don't like the fact that it's picked five teams out of North. I don't like that. Um, realistically, I would nearly prefer to see the, the entire 21 teams in it from the three groups, even if you only play seven groups of three. You only do seven groups of seven groups of three, and then you sort of play each other. You play, you play two games in the group, and then you're looking at that you're going, you're going maybe go into a, a quarter final, even if you only go into a quarter finals where the, the, the top seven group winners and the best runner, the best one runner up goes into a quarter final, for example. But I think if we're going to do something, if we're going to have all the national league teams involved, we have to have inclusion of all the Northern Irish, spread the Northern, Northern Ireland league in. You can't be picking and choosing to say, oh, we'll have five from the North in and we'll have the rest from the South, the rest of the teams from the South in. That doesn't work for me. That doesn't, that's the only that doesn't really sit right at the minute just because it's sort of it's include it's if we're, if we're talking about inclusion we include everybody if we're gonna change it up next year and have maybe a satanta cup style thing where we only have the top three for our top four from each league each league that's fine but we need to sort of strike a fine balance and i do think it's a it's it's, it's good that the fei are looking at things just to sort of bridge the gap for the world cup but i can't see the timing of it being there again Next year, I hope the I hope the competition is successful. We can evolve it even into some other way, even if it's played as a preseason competition for all clubs. That might be another another potential opportunity or avenue because both se- both seasons are really a, a sort of a, a summer league. Let's jump in quickly just to take a quick look at that league table. This is the league table as it stands today, and you talked about the comparison of goal difference 
between last year's table. This is last year's table after 10 games. Um, so as you can see, quite similar. Uh, Piemont obviously a good six points further up the league table um, when we compare them. This is obviously last year's table um, on 19 points. Now they're on 25 shells, a, a little bit further back on 27th, now on 22. But the goal difference, very similar at the top, but it's at the bottom in particular um, where Cork and Treaty probably 10 goals better off or 15 goals better off uh, than they were than they, this, this time this year than they were last year. But it, yeah, and look, the funny thing is, you even look at the likes of Bowes there. Bowes last year had two wins after seven, after 10 games. They've seven this year. And like even them sitting on a minus five, a minus five goal difference. Then again, like I know the result didn't count in the end, but you're looking at the result of... Sligo and Piemont on the opening day of the season. That would have been another six goals potentially added to it last year, but it was eventually taken off when the result was changed. So, like, I think that the the teams at the bottom, the goal difference isn't, as I say, it isn't as big. And, like, you look at Piemont, you look at Cork, the fact that it's a 2-1 loss against Piemont. Last year, that might have been five or six. Yes, they had the, the big loss against Shells when they lost they lost 6-0, but, like, it's it, 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 it there is a, a, a you know you can see yourself you have it there on the screen the comparison like three as you say three year what fifteen goals better fifteen goals better off yeah it's, it's something like that I'm sorry just moving slightly too big for the screen but you get the idea I'm just seven, seven, seventeen goals better off three year from from this period to last year which is which is a massive which is a massive number. And when you take out those two heavy beatings they took at the start of the year, uh, the minus three, it's fourteen goals. It's it's a much healthier position. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think that's the comparison. Like even even you look at the fact that they've had a win and three draws. Where at this stage last year they were winless and they were sort of they were chasing their shadows. But it, it is it, it's obvious then when you look at the likes of Cork and you look at the likes of. Sligo, how far how far they've slightly dropped down the table. Like it's mad when when we compare side by side, how much of a a comparison from 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 even the clubs in terms of their own results. Like Bowes, Bowes are another example. They're they're what they're plus four this year. They were minus five at, at that stage last year. Yeah, they've like even switched teams, records from from fourth last to fourth in the table and seven twenty one points versus now twenty one points dropped last year. It's it's interesting just to kind of to, to look at it, but uh, we are getting distracted. This wasn't part of our plan for the show, right? <laughs> so we move away just to kind of reinforce the, the facts and figures behind the actual competitions. We've touched on the Avenir Cup. Let's maybe look at the fixtures for next weekend. We've touched on a couple of them already. The big one, of course, Shells versus Peas at Talk Park at two o'clock. Nothing uh, up against it other than maybe the warm ups in Belfield where DLR hosts Bohemians in that first game. Um, for Laura Heffernan, who we obviously had to have on the show earlier. Cork City um, are in action on Saturday afternoon as well. I didn't write in who they were playing. Shamrock Rovers versus Galway at 5.30 in Tala, while Treaty versus Athlone. Uh, that game takes place in Athlone, not the Markets Field, as I've written there. Uh, I was a bit in a rush doing the fixtures tonight. But all, all, joking, all joking aside, that is uh, some interesting games this week. Your thoughts on, on where we're going to go with those? Yeah, it's it's going to be a it's a massive it's a massive massive week. I think that the two two the three games in Dublin are in particular are are huge for all different re- for all different reasons. Like Galway coming back to Dublin for the second for the second second time in two weeks, and for me the big one and the one that I'll be at Shells and P Mount. Um, 
There'll be no love lost between the two sides. No King still suspended for one more game. Pearl Slattery will be missing a true injury. There's a lot of, there's a lot on the line in that game. And I think if Pimo can can get the three points from that, because Pimo's running in the second half of the season is really difficult. They've got to go to Shells, they've got to go to P they've got to go to Wexford, and they've got to go to Shamrock Rovers. They had them all at home in the first phase of the first phase of the league. Plus, they've also got to go to Galway as well. So all the teams in and around them, they have to go to them. So for them, it's about can they knock another three points off? For Shelburne, Shelburne will be looking to to capitalise on, on any on any mistakes that have been made. These games between the two sides always tend to be close. And I suspect that Saturday may be another another, another close occasion. Um Laura Laura's game against Bowes, as as we said, there's there's a lot there's a lot in it. There's both sides both sides know each other very well. They're they're looking for results for different reasons. Like I think there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting games this week. I think I think Wexford should go back to winning ways against Cork. I'm intrigued to see how Treaty get on against Athlone. Yeah, you take it really there. I think it's a game Athlone need to win, but it's a game I think Treaty can cause another surprise in. We've had a season full of surprises from them, and I think they can really compete against a, a team like Athlone. But uh, we saw that little bit of resilience from Athlone last week to fight back. Okay, they lost the game in the end, but they did pull it back in injury time. And there's a little bit of magic in that squad as well for Athlone. So that's a game I think well worth watching on Saturday evening if. Uh, if you've kind of got over the, the shells P clash at two o'clock to sit down and watch that one on LOI TV. The great thing for me is on Saturday is there's there's nothing else in the evening planned for me planned for in the evening for me. So it'll probably be when I come back from Talca Park, it'll be straight to LOI TV, then on to another game and then on down. So there there's lots of lots of games to keep us to keep us occupied over the weekend and I'm I'm looking forward because I'm on duty in the showgrounds, so I won't I won't get to see them in person, but I might have a sneaky uh, laptop on in the corner for uh, <laughs> for watching that that Athlone Treaty game. Anyway, that's pretty much it for this uh, show this week. We've run out of time. We like trying to keep it below the hour before you all get absolutely bored. You can of course watch this back on playback on all of our socials as well as on our website finalwhistle.ie. Uh, thank you so much to Aaron for another week uh, going through the intricacies of. But it's an ever-changing and ever-evolving league here. Uh, we saw that in no small margin this week with the appointment of Laura Heffernan back to the dugout in the Women's Premier Division. She, uh, for a bit of a gap uh, at the top table, she's back with DLR Waves after they um, was lost Graham Kelly this week. He was uh, took up a role with, Sean, or with St. Patrick's Athletic. I'll get shot if I say that wrong. Uh, with uh, St. Patrick's Athletic in the men's league. So uh, a nice step up into... Uh, the professional game for, for Graham, Laura, big shoes to fill, but no doubt no better woman to fill them. And it's great that it is a woman who takes up the hot seat in the women's premier division. Many, many more, hopefully, to follow in her footsteps over the coming years and maybe decades as well. Aaron, um, anything you want to leave us with this week? Any thoughts? Jerry no, the, the, no, the only thing I will say is get to a game if you can get to a game because... All the games this weekend, we don't know what surprises are going to be in, te- in style and in, in tail for us, and I'm sure we'll be talking about one or two next week. Absolutely, as always, uh, for us this week, it's been great. Thanks for your company. We'll be back again next week with another look inside the women's Premier Division of the League of Ireland. Talk to you then.